technique and drills make you go faster, not getting fitter and fitter and fitter. More technique, more downwind, and honing skills. You're never too old to change bad habits, and you're never too old to learn new ones. I can teach you all the mistakes. I've had so many mistakes in this life of mine, long life, paddling life, and why should you make the same mistakes when I've already been through there, done that, bought the t-shirt a number of times, Hi there, welcome to the Coach Tulupski podcast. These episodes are taken from Oscar's live interactions with his Oscar's club members and are great for anyone looking for insights into paddling faster and having more fun. Yeah, I am in uh, Berlin. Uh, today's supposed to be going to about Rostock, which is the home of a guy called Gordon Halbracht, which is one of the top paddlers in uh, Germany. Um, we're expecting some uh, good wind there, which will help me. So that'll be fun. Um, I've got quite a few uh, questions that need to be answered. Um, yeah, so the question is, how do you know when you've got the correct setting on your on your surf ski? And as I said, uh, all boats are very different. Therefore, the one consists your rotate like that, right? Like that, you can see I'm sort of rotating half. But the bottom line is, if you're paddling by yourself, a few precautions. You should always paddle with somebody and... Uh, I haven't got that luxury, so, and not too many people want to paddle for 40 kilometers with 30, 40 knot winds. That's uh, quite tough. So, what I do is I, I um, make sure I've got a phone, it's charged, and the person that is going to drive for me, whatever, mostly 99% of the time, Claire, my wife, she will know to be on the phone. So that's important. I always take a life jacket to help hold the phone. And then if it's blowing really hard, you must have a leash. But you must be dressed appropriately. I, um, two days ago when I did the 40 kilometer paddle, I was dressed in a nice dry suit. So I was nice and warm, even though it was a sunny hot day in Portugal, I still made sure I was in a dry suit so that I could uh, actually um, swim to shore if I had problems and I wouldn't be cold. So I'd say that the safety thing when you're paddling on your own, make sure you've got a leash, you've got a phone and the, and the people know that you're out there because that's important. So I have had uh, three incidents in Portugal where I had to phone uh, Claire to say, hey, I can't make it, I broke my rudder once, I uh, bonked once and I had uh, a very, um, leaky boat once i couldn't make it to to the the spot where i was planned to finish so i've had three incidents where i didn't make it and all three incidents the best way was to uh phone claire my wife and say no sorry i'm not going to make it come pick me up at this beach or come pick me up on that beach so a phone i think the phone is one of the best safety features so it's a phone a leash and a life jacket and dress warmly another question when it's very cold do you use pogies those are like gloves on your paddle so pogies do you wear pogies and uh, the neoprene hand over the keep your hands warm a bit you'll find that uh, when it gets between five degrees and lower the biggest problem is that your hands do get really cold and pogies really do work uh, so what a pogi is, is actually you grab the paddle normally. So pogi is basically you hold the paddle normally and there's like a cover of your hands. 
I found when you're panning in cold water, it's, it's interesting to see that your hands are the first thing that really get cold. So panning with pogies really does work. Uh, the secret of paddling in cold weather, and when you come out, you must never put your hands in the hot water. You can put in a hot drying, uh, dry your hands in, a, in a, like a heating situation, but not with cold water. If you put cold water on your hands, they, they tingle and they end up being getting very swollen. Uh, I had that problem where your fingers just look like sausages after a while if you've uh, had them very cold and then you put them in hot water. So that's not a thing to do. Okay, next one. How important is not to splash when the blade enters and exits the water? Yeah, that's very important. Very important that when you put your blade in the water, it should never splash. And taking it out should never splash because any extra uh, splash that you get is means that you've in, when you're putting in the water and you get a splash what that means is you've started your stroke before your paddles in the water so basically it was what had happened instead of putting your paddle in and then pulling back your paddle starting to pull back before it's hit the water and uh, that reason um, you get a splash at the at the at the catch now the exit, if you've got any splash on the exit, means that you're pulling too far back so that your paddle is basically uh, gone past vertical. And if your paddle's gone past vertical, you'll lift a lot of water. When you're lifting a lot of water, that takes energy that doesn't make your boat go forward. So you're lifting a lot of water and you're splashing at the exit of your, of your paddle stroke. So again, so at, if you're splashing at the catch, make sure you put your paddle in first and then pull as opposed to start pulling when your paddle is not in the water and then exit splashing the exit make sure that you first stop pulling by your knees and let the paddle come back out earlier as opposed to later where it's going past vertical and therefore lifting up water okay how important roughly how much percentage of time should an average paddler spend on technique and drills versus fitness? It's a very good question. And this is something that bugs me all the time. I just see people, they just paddle and paddle and paddle. And they just don't worry about technique. Uh, I still still think uh, I'll, if I had the perfect choice, I'd still be doing between 50 and 75% of my time doing technique. Uh, and uh, those guys that are watching now, they know Terry's also advocate, I mean, of drills. Most people, like myself, drills make you go faster. At our age, and uh, when you're young, you can get away with just pure power. Uh, but uh, now we're getting past uh, 20 or 30. If you're doing a technique session, you are actually still paddling. If you see my technique sessions, they last between 45 minutes and an hour. You are actually paddling, working very well for a lot of people, which is fantastic. Because when you're doing these drills, it really makes you understand what you're trying to do in a boat. And when you're standing on terra firma, you can really feel it. People don't realize how unstable they are in a boat. That's why I've always said, and one of my mantras is uh, stability before ability. I'm on Lake Melanzay in Berlin, and I'll do a session there today and guess what it's flat water so if it's flat water i'm going to do a technique session are there ways to 
quick question Willem came in now. Are there any ways to improve your balance? I think the best way is to have a stable boat to start off with. Make sure that you do many, many brace drills. We, as we know, paddle five stroke, brace right, paddle five strokes, brace left, and get better in that. And then all you do is put a butt pad every 10 millimeters of, 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 um, of butt pad you put on your seat is gonna make you unstable. So I would go in absolutely perfect flat water and start adding butt pads. I mean, I, I never uh, forget, I, uh, some guys were trying to paddle a K1, they come from sea kayaking and they said, oh, how do I paddle a K1 from sea kayaks, which are very stable? I said, this is all you do. You start putting butt pads and we put butt pads in the, in the, in the surf ski so that eventually in their surf ski, or at that time was a sea kayak, the butt pads were this thick. So they were really thick like that. And they're paddling that and they could manage. And then when I went, then I then I put them in a K1 and they could balance because the higher you make your center of gravity, the more unstable you are. So just keep adding butt pads, butt pads, butt pads on absolutely flat water. And then when you go into the ocean, take all the butt pads out and whatever boat you are in is gonna make you very, very stable. So that's how it, uh, that's one of the best things to improve your balance is just by putting bat pads in when you're on flat water and take the bat pads out when you go into rough water. Or if you manufacturer's dream is to have many different boats uh, and just have a very stable boat for going in the ocean and a very unstable boat to go on flat water. But again, the best way is just to put bat pads or just get your bum higher. The higher your bum is in that seat, the more unstable you will be and uh, the worse your technique will be. So that's why it's very important to make sure that if you're gonna be trying to improve your stability that you're still keeping your technique good. Uh, Corin Smith is gonna be doing the, the Murray-Darling race, which is 500 kilometers. And let me tell you, Corin, you wanna be stable. Stable and concentrating on technique the whole time. She's gonna be doing First day, I think it's like 90 kilometers, then 92 kilometers, and sure, it's really, uh, really fast. Uh, how do you fasten the butt pads? Okay, uh, good question. Uh, Volker from Denmark's asking, how do you fasten the butt pads? It's very easy. You just take duct tape and you wrap it around to little, little tubes and you put that like four or five little wrap around, so it's like double-sided tape on the butt pads and then you put one, two, three, four, as many as you want. Uh, grab it like that. So it's just like a hook, and then you're pulling back. It's a hook, pulling back, as opposed to grabbing it hard. So don't grab the paddle. Hook it, and when you're coming through, pushing through, you're pushing through that way, that way with your shoulder and not your hand, and your hand should be open. Try and open your hand all the time if you're getting sore forearms. Don't grip the paddle. Don't grip them. Getting numb feet, which normally needs to numb bum, invariably somebody's got a butt pad on the bottom of their seat and that stops the circulation to your legs that's a problem if you've got a butt pad the only way to have a butt pad in your in your boat is to have a very slippery plastic on top of it so that you can rotate so you should be rotating your legs should be moving and using your legs a lot so there shouldn't be no reason why you get numb feet or a numb bum just got to really move your body and rotate from your hips. 
that's a big problem. So your leg drive is very important, but you must rotate from your hips. If you're rotating from your hips, you'll find that um, that your bum's never on the on the seat. And if your bum's never on the seat, you shouldn't get uh, a numb bum or numb legs. Okay, there's another. That's a, another question. I saw one. Phil sent me a question. Phil Paris Brown. I'm just going to go and find it. Okay, Phil's question, which is always a good question. I have trouble staying under math whilst paddling. Any pointers to producing quality technique and staying under math? That's a good question because I train with a guy called uh, Nello. Nello, his uh, um, Nello's. Um, also got a problem with staying on a map when he gets in a surski. Two things that happened. When he gets in a uh, in a surski, what happens is that he gets uh, unstable. And if you're in rough conditions, you get unstable, so your heart rate goes up. So first thing you gotta do is become much more stable in your surski, and then try and breathe correctly. Loosen your hands anything to keep you under math. Math's very important because you don't want to go too far over. Uh, full methadone has actually got a test that you can do on your phone to see if your math can be slightly higher than uh, 180 minus your age. That's actually 131 where if I did the 180 minus my age, my math would actually be 120, gee, I'm a 56, 124. So I'm allowed to go a little bit higher than my math. So Phil, see, maybe do a test. There's a mephitone, full mephitone test that you put on your, uh, and you go for a little walk or whatever and see what your your math could be. Because your math, because you've been doing it for such a long time, could be slightly higher. But again, you can't be anxious. You can't be worried. Make sure that when you jump in the, in the boat in rough conditions that you're very comfortable. And if you're very comfortable and relaxed, then your heart rate will go down. Heart rate definitely is goes up when you're a little bit stressed and uh, under and you're feeling a bit unstable. Your heart rate will go higher. Therefore, you might go higher than math. Again, remember, at our age, at my age, I probably do two sessions over my math maximum a week. The rest of the time, I'm on math. So if I'm running, I'm going always under my math. If I'm if I'm running, running, cycling, swimming, anything, and paddling, all under math. Uh, and then when I when I race, I don't worry about math one bit. I go flat out, and I, and I look at the the results afterwards. So, and remember, math doesn't just happen overnight. Uh, it takes time to get your to get faster at math. So many people start and think, oh no, this is so slow. I can't do it. But let me tell you, it takes months, months, maybe two or three months before you actually get better, better at uh, math, which basically means you go faster at the same heart rate, which is fantastic because when you're in the race, you go flat out and you, and you go well. It's the most amazing thing. I think it's a, something that we all should strive to, to do is keep under math and don't kill yourself. Therefore, you will never have... Um, uh, problems with injuries or problems with your with uh, uh, sleeping overtraining you won't have any of those problems if you're on math so 
I think, uh, Phil, if you're going over math, just slow down a bit. You're not as young as you used to be, so you have to just slow down. And you slow down to be perfect. Okay, can you believe it? It's a uh, half an hour. Easy to stay on math whilst running. As soon as I do drills in the water, I'm up 10 or 10 or 20 over math. And that's interesting. So funny enough, uh, that's a very good one there, Phil, is that when you're running, it's easy. Again, as I said before, uh, it's, it's so easy running. You don't have to worry about balance. So there's no stress on your body. So therefore, your heart rate stays down. Phil, as soon as you get in the water and doing drills, there's balance issue straight away makes your heart rate go higher. So it's interesting. And, uh, and again, just don't push as hard as you think you should, uh, Phil. Um, 10 above maths, fine, but 20, there's no way. You've just got to keep on just doing it. And I know it's winter there now. Uh, you'll see that the more you do the drills, the lower your heart rate will get. I can assure you that happens and it happens over time. So it's not going to happen over a day or two or a week or two. It's a month or two. Okay, guys, thank you very much. Um, I have opened new slots. So uh, um, tell your boys in Australia and all those places, if they know that when you join Oscars Club, uh, I think most people have been improving dramatically. And it's, it's definitely a, a tool that I'm happy with uh, uh, all the drills i'm happy with all the 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 training plans i've done i've done a lot of them now and and i see um i can't remember who asked me yesterday she wanted a a plan for the doctor and she actually obviously works full so she doesn't spend seven days so she spends uh, five days so i'm going to do a doctor five day plan and i'll do for those people doing the Dragon Run in Hong Kong, I'll do a, a training session for the Dragon Run in Hong Kong as well. But it's good to be here in uh, Berlin and uh, we'll be back hopefully next week from Spain. I'm doing the Cellar Descent. It's, uh, I'm doing it with my brother Herman in a double. Uh, Willem nearly did it with me, but I don't know what happened. They wouldn't let us race together because Willem's from England and I'm from Portugal or Germany. But uh, my father's racing it. My father is eight, turning 82 in September. And he won this race in 1969. So they've invited him back for the 50th year. The 50th year of uh, his winning the race in 1969. Herman and I won this race in 1986, the Cellar Descent. It's got uh, more than 3,000 participants, all starting at once in a narrow river. And uh, we're going there next weekend in a in the northern Spain so it's about a five hour drive north of Porto so hopefully I'll bring you uh, a bit of um, and it's a serious party and a serious race so hopefully I'll do some live crossings from uh, Spain uh, next weekend and uh, hope you guys all keep on improving and um, we'll see you uh, next week thanks for listening and I hope you uh, guys all uh, learned something again and we'll make the Oscars club grow a bit now the more people we have the more interaction we'll have on Facebook and on uh, live streaming
Uh, that, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, if you want to join Oscar's club or get access to his free technique video series, you can do that by visiting coachtulipski.com.